everybody. Thanks again for joining me for another edition of March 4th with Mike Bauman. Wherever you are, whoever you are, thanks for tuning in. I hope you're safe. I hope you and your loved ones are safe out there in the world as everybody battles coronavirus and COVID-19 globally. It's kind of nuts, man. It's truly a situation where we all are indeed in the same boat. So hopefully you guys are social distancing when you're out in public, in the grocery store, in a place where you're all breathing the same air in an enclosed space. Hopefully you're wearing a mask and just washing your hands and just being cool, man. You know, covering your mouth when you sneeze or you cough, you know, making sure you wipe stuff down. Just do what you can to protect you and your loved ones. Do what you can to protect the people you don't know, you know, especially as they continue to to reopen things, you know, I'm hoping and praying that we are on, you know, or at least getting to the other side of this and that the curve continues to flatten and we can get back to hopefully a, a more normal way of living. I don't think things are ever going to be the way they were before. I think that's kind of obvious at this point, but that doesn't mean that we can't do it in a safe manner and do it in a way that we respect our fellow human beings out there, our fellow living creatures, man. So be good to people. I say it at the end of every show. That's a tip of the cap to my grandpa. When I say keep the faith and be kind to one another, I truly mean that. That was something he used to say. So I love you, Grandpa, and I love you all. Thank you for tuning into the show. Remember, you can check out the show straight from the source, march4th.podbean.com. You can also check it out on Apple Podcasts. You can check it out on a host of podcast apps out there, including the Podbean app, including Podcast Addict, And we're giving you two shows every month, the first and third Saturday every month. I don't know why I said two shows. I don't know why I said it like Joe Pesci. No more shines, Billy. I I don't know. You've been gone a long time. Nobody told you. I don't shine shoes no more. (laughs) Sometimes I morph into stuff when I do this show, you guys. It just happens. It just happens. All that being said, I really appreciate you guys checking out the show. We got a fun episode this week. My friend Lindsey Bowman was kind enough to do the podcast. And as I've mentioned before, you know, one of the good things about being in quarantine, working from home, you know, social distance, and I'm fortunate that I've been able to work from home, is that it's really made me refocus on the things and the people who are really important to me. And, and, you know, really focusing on the message of this podcast, which is, you know, again, I don't want to be too preachy, you know, I'm a 32 year old dude, I got a lot to learn in life. And, If you're listening to this via a friend or if you don't know me personally, it's like I'm not going to wax poetic and give you life advice because what do I know? I don't know nothing about your life. You probably don't know too much about mine other than what you hear from the show. So I don't feel like it's for me to be like, you know, somebody who's of prominence giving you great advice, right? But I will say the good that's come out of this for me is, is, is that, is refocusing on the things and the people who are really important to me. And with this show, just giving you guys episodes of you know, perseverance and and moving forward. That's the theme of the show. That's the name behind March 4th. And Lindsay really has that story, as you guys will hear, of just somebody who has chased her dreams. She's been singing since she was a little kid. She's gotten to do some really cool things. She's gotten to go on tour around the country. And now she's doing, you know, her solo thing and, and, you know, coming out with some, some heat, man, right out the gate with her single, You Don't Get to Know, which you guys will get to hear on this episode. So, you know, I'm really excited that I got a chance to catch up with her. And it, it's it's a good perspective, too, that you'll hear on this podcast from somebody who, you know, moved to Nashville, is chasing her dreams, and, and also what it's like right now just to be a musician in quarantine and not be able to play live shows. So we, we hit on a lot of different things, and, and I hope it's something that inspires you 
and uh, lights a fire underneath you to go chase your dreams too. So without further ado, I'm going to shove my big yapper and give you guys my conversation with Lindsay Bowman. Here it is. Well, to get this started, Lindsay, I mean, I really appreciate the time. Um, it's cool catching up with you. I know it's under weird circumstances, but uh, having met you through our church group friends um, and, and getting a chance to see you live a couple of years back, I was just like, man, I, I really, I got to get her on here once I start doing this again. So thank you. Um, and I guess the, the first place I wanted to start with you, I usually kind of like to take it back. And I know you've been doing this a while, but going back to like when you were a kid in Virginia, I mean, what's like your first music memory or like what got you hooked on all of this? Well, my mom is also a singer, so I really grew up with music in the home and with my mom's singing to me all the time. So I feel like I could sing before I could even talk. I made my solo debut at church at age four. And that's a memory for me because that's the very first time that I got to be in front of people and sing and realized that that's what I loved. Even at age four, I knew that that was something I wanted to do. I definitely was the kid in my room with a hairbrush microphone, <laughs> dancing and singing along in front of the mirror because I always dreamed about performing. So since I was four, that's that's just been the dream. And to be able to come to Nashville and finally chase that dream is really surreal, being in a city that allows you to just follow your heart and follow those dreams and perform every day. It, it is a dream come true. So did your, did your mom pursue it throughout her life too? Did she, did she ever tour or anything like that? She did. She played with a lot of bands in Virginia. They traveled all over. She uh, never did the Nashville thing. She didn't come out here, but she played in bands her whole life. So, you know, it, it really did come in my blood. That was something that she loved to do. And as I got a little older um, in my early teen years and, and throughout my teens, my mom and I got to perform together. We actually recorded a gospel album together, which was really a great experience and a great memory for me to have. We still have those songs. She still listens to the CD all the time, even though I sound like a little kid because my voice has changed so much. But um, it was a really cool thing to do. And, and to this day, whenever I go home, I, I still get to perform with her. We sing a lot at church together. So she's she's still very much involved in it. She still loves to sing any chance she can. So when you were four, do you remember the song that you sang in church? I'm pretty sure it was Will the Circle Be Unbroken. <laughs> What was it like gearing up for that? Like, do you remember, like, just singing around? Like, do you remember, like, your mom or your dad, like, suggesting to you to do that? Like, how did it, how did it come about that they were just like, oh, yeah, we, you got you to gotta sing in church? Were you nervous, like, or were you excited? That part I don't really remember, but I do know looking back at photos that my mom keeps. I mean, I was probably two years old with a microphone in my hand. So I doubt there was any form of like, oh, this is what you have to do or you, you've got to do it whether you're scared or not. I feel like I just wanted to do it. I loved it so much from such an early age that I never had stage fright. I never had an issue being on the stage in front of people. And especially once I had that microphone in my hand, it was just like my security blanket. It was a comfort for me. And to this day, I am fine. You know, it doesn't matter 
it is still can be a little nerve wracking depending on the venues or the types of people that are there, the crowd size. But once I have a microphone, I'm just kind of in my element and I know that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. So I think even at age four, it was already ingrained in me that, that, that I was going to be fine, that this was okay. Did you have like the little, uh, the little toy microphone and speaker box thing growing up? You know what I'm talking about? Cause there was like the talk boy from home alone, but then there was that toy where you had like the microphone and you could like record. Yeah. If I did, I probably didn't use it because my mom had so much real equipment. So <laughs> I know my mom would have a singing machine in the house and she had, you know, the real microphones and tracks that I could sing along to in our home. Um, so that was pretty much what I was raised on was actually a real singing machine so that my mom and I each had a real microphone and we could practice songs together and I could just sing to whatever in our living room. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that's, that's cool that she, so even as a kid, she had all the stuff in the house so you could use like real, real recording equipment even as a, as a kid. Yeah, definitely. Who were, who were some of the artists that first got you going down the rabbit hole as far as the country stuff? Because I know, like, you're primarily country, but, I mean, I've heard you rap when I saw you sing. <laughs> <laughs> so I know it's not just country, but who were some of the artists growing up that really inspired you, that made you want to keep going? Well, I'm definitely a 90s country girl. So I love Martina, Reba, Winona, Trisha Yearwood. Um, and when I perform now, I... A lot of people tell me I sound like Winona. I've got that kind of growl in my voice, and that's a huge compliment because those, you know, all those ladies are women that I looked up to growing up as a singer that I knew I wanted to be like someday. But as a child of the 90s, I also grew up with Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and Jessica Simpson, and those are the girls that I'm bopping around my bedroom to with the hairbrush microphone because <laughs> I could come home and watch them on TRL every day when that was still a thing and see Britney perform. And even though it wasn't country, it was seeing, you know, her dancing and her performing and entertaining on stage and still knowing, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to be on stage. I want to be an entertainer. But like you mentioned, um, I do rap. So <laughs> I grew up on the East coast and, from uh, the Virginia Beach area, we had a lot of hip-hop artists. Timberland, Missy Elliott, uh, Chris Brown is from there, Pharrell, a ton of that in where I'm from. And so kind of seeing them have the success coming from Hampton Roads area, 757. Um, and then even taking it back to Aretha Franklin and Michael Jackson are my favorites of all time. So I feel like I have a very, like, well-rounded mix of music um, that were kind of my inspirations and made me find who I am as an artist because I do have a lot of soul and I grew up with that but you know I love country music so I've been able to blend them together I think it's worked out okay <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you definitely have that soulfulness in your voice and it's funny you mentioned all those those rappers where you're from because I remember like the turn of like 99, 2000, I mean, my sister and I used to watch like TRL almost every day, but I remember <laughs> that really was like when a lot of like the stuff out of Atlanta, I feel like was becoming mainstream too from Georgia, like Nelly and all like that whole scene. And then you had like the New Orleans guys, uh, Lil Wayne and Birdman mm -hmm. and all those guys. Like, I feel like that's when I noticed like rap at kind of like a mainstream level and then I was coming from, like, the metal side, so my sister was into all the Britney Spears and stuff, so I remember when, like, Korn and P.O.D. were starting to get on TRL, I was like, yes, they're at the <laughs> top of TRL. But, um, 
it was definitely the 90s I feel like was it was a great time because I feel like there was so many influential influential artists that like you look at music now and and it's and it's you can kind of trace them back to like those mm-hmm. artists at that time you know because even even country like you know as I've been in Nashville now for almost five years I feel like I can kind of hear some of like the cadence and, and, and the lyrics of some of the country songs kind of have like that same pattern of, of a lot of rap songs I feel like there's definitely like a blend of all that now I'm sure so after the the performance when you were you know in church did that keep going like what was that like as you continued to, to get older and go into like junior high high school were you performing as well Definitely. I started performing in theater when I was in sixth grade. My mom actually worked at my high school, the local high school. So even though I was in sixth grade, they always found a part for the younger, you know, a lot of musicals need a younger child actor. And so I was able to start performing in the high school plays starting in sixth grade. So I did that all through middle and high school. Um, Coming into high school in ninth grade, I landed the lead role in Oklahoma, uh, which was kind of unheard of for a freshman to come in you know usually juniors and seniors get the lead roles and I got it and you know maybe it attributed to me being in theater for the years prior but um it's different and I to this day I love I love musicals I love shows that have music in it singing um anything like that because that's you know my passion but I haven't done any acting or musicals in a long time Um, but going through junior high and high school that was a huge, a huge time for me to find, you know, really that comfort of being on stage and really getting to perform in front of people. And through that, um, I was always in choir and doing district choir that you had to compete for and doing our talent shows, uh, which later led to pageants. And I started doing pageants in Virginia mainly because they have a talent portion. Um, you know, I did them when I was a kid, but it wasn't something I was super into. And as I got older and realized I could sing, you know, in in these pageants, I started doing it. And um, eventually I won a local pageant and got to go to Miss Virginia. And I was a semifinalist in Miss Virginia. I think a lot of it has to do with my singing. I don't know about the walking in gowns and stuff, but I mean, it was a lot of fun. I did it for a couple of years and I really enjoyed it. But again, you know, getting to sing and perform and in these big fancy gowns and doing it um, in Virginia, it's always televised. Uh, so that was a really cool experience. So I think all those things, you know, just kind of rolled into one another and kept me going. It kept me trying different avenues of what was a right fit for me. And then when it came time to come to Nashville, I had all these things to, that I had under my belt that I could use to start performing here in Nashville. Was there like a, a turning point that, that led you to that? Because I think that, you know, it's one thing, like you said, to grow up doing it and then get all that experience in high school. But I feel like a lot of people, you know, kind of let fear get in the way or people around them get in the way like, ah, oh, you'll never you'll never make it or you shouldn't do that. Take more of a practical route. I mean, did you have it sounds like, yeah, obviously with your mom and your parents, you had a great support system supporting the music side of it. But was there a turning point that made you go, man, I, I just have to like. I have to go for this because if I don't, it's just going to eat at me if I don't if I don't give it a shot and actually try to go to Nashville. It did. When I turned 25, that was the moment where I was like, okay, I'm a quarter century. I hit 25. Um, I had graduated college. I was working on my master's degree. I had a great job in Virginia, but 
it was that moment of this is all I've ever wanted to do. I'll be crazy if I don't at least try. And like you just said, I have a great support system. My parents are super, they love what I do, super supportive. They come here any chance they get to see me perform. I get to perform in Virginia and North Carolina a lot now. Um, but they were, they were all for it. You know, my mom being a singer, she said, I never got to take that chance and go to Nashville. So if you can do it, let's do it. So they moved me to Nashville in 2011. That was, um, the year I, I quit my job, I quit my master's program. Like I, I got out of everything and I just up and left and it was a huge leap of faith, but I am a, a believer that everything happens for a reason and that God has a plan for me. And my plan was and is to be in Nashville, whether I'm always going to be performing, whether I'm going to get a record deal, who knows, but I have faith that I made the right move at the time and everything's kind of worked out the way that it should. So, you know, like I said, they've been encouraging and supportive of me doing it. I've been here for eight years now and I perform on Broadway when it's open and I've been able to perform across the country from Vegas to Toronto, Canada, and really just have an incredible career behind me. I just released my first single in February and I've got my second one coming out hopefully later this summer. So I feel like I'm right where I need to be. Yeah, yeah. When what what was it like when you first when you first came down here? Because like I had spent like because you've been in Virginia your whole life to that point. Was that in North Carolina for a little bit prior uh, to moving here? But okay, because like when I moved here, I was twenty seven, I think. Yeah, five five years ago now. So yeah, I was I was twenty seven, and and I lived in Michigan. Like when my mom got remarried, but I was I pretty much grew up in like the same like five mile radius my entire life so when I moved it was really like you know cutting the cord and you know leaving the nest in terms of my friends my family like there was nobody here um what was that like for you when you first when you first got here to to kind of like put the roots down and were you excited were were you nervous a little bit of both a little bit of both and I think it's funny you say that you know you didn't have anybody here either it's a common theme to when you meet people here in Nashville, it seems that almost everyone you meet says it was, you know, a quick decision or, you know, spur of the moment. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a job. I just came here. And I think that's, what's really cool about this town is because no matter if you're in the music industry or not, everybody kind of did the same thing when they came here. And that allows people to build off of that and build a friendship. I know even in our small group, that's something that we've talked about almost everybody in our group did that exact same thing, whether it was for a job or for music or just to try something new. They're like, Oh, I I literally didn't know anybody. And it was just a chance that I took. And so that's how it was for me. I didn't know anybody here. I knew of people that had moved here from Virginia or just, you know, word of mouth, different people, but I didn't have a job lined up. I didn't have anything. Um, But within a couple weeks I found a job at a Harley dealership and uh, started just going out on Broadway to meet people. I was by myself, just anybody who would let me get in and sing with a band. Um, I really learned a lot about myself that first year because I, I was by myself, you know, and I didn't have anyone to hit the town with or go check things out. I had to do it all on my own. So, you know, I think a lot of people go through that. You just kind of have to grow and, and learn about yourself and how you can handle a new city and navigate the waters. Um, so within the first couple of months, I met Alicia, who was my former duo partner, 
Uh, we created Smoke and Guns, a duo that we did together for seven years, and it just worked. She and I met on Broadway, and we immediately started playing shows together. We built a huge following and started playing all over the country, and we still play together. Just you know, in the last couple of weeks in this quarantine, we played. Um, we did a Facebook Live show, and before the quarantine, we were doing shows on Broadway together. So we we kind of just wanted to try something new with our solo careers but we still play together because we loved it and we built such a a good following and we had such a good thing going so it's still a lot of fun to be able to do that um, but we're both very supportive of each other and our solo careers which is where we are now so that first year you were really hustling then i mean going down to broadway like that's got to be a little intimidating just going down there by yourself like i remember driving around when i first got here and it was like even five years ago, Nashville's changed so much. Yeah. So I can't even imagine what it was like in 2011 when you got here. Um, I mean, obviously still a big city, but I mean, I feel like even the skyline in the last five years, but that's, I mean, what, what was that first year, first year like? I mean, cause, cause I've always wondered that, you know, we're basically in like the Mecca of music, I would say. I mean, obviously you've got New York and LA and Chicago, but there's a reason they call Nashville the music city. And when I came here, I discovered that it wasn't just country. It's like everything. And there's so many people who are on Broadway, like yourself, or not even on Broadway, just at places throughout Nashville playing music. And, you know, maybe they play in a in a country band doing covers to help pay the bills, but they've got like a metal band or like a rock and roll mm-hmm. band that that's like what they're going for. So what what was that first year like just kind of catching on and, and you know trying to to get on stage with people well i came here knowing i wanted to sing country music that was my goal and kind of what people think initially of music city like you said but when i met alicia alicia had a very janice joplin style voice she's very rock and roll so we were two completely different sounds yeah but when we started singing together something magical happened and we took that and ran with it. And I think that's why we were so successful because as you mentioned, there's so many different types of music around here, hence music city, you know, that's all kinds of music. She and I took our our show and made it songs that we love. We wanted to sing covers that we loved. It didn't have to be country music. She loves Guns N' Roses. She loves Janis Joplin. I loved to rap. I loved Eminem. I loved, you know, the country new and old. And then pop, we'd throw in a Britney Spears song every now and then. And we just took all those songs that we knew people also loved. And we built this show off of that that made it just a fun party atmosphere. And it's hard to be a female in country music. I mean, that's a hot topic a lot these days. You hear um, how hard it is for women to be in country. And we, you know, being in Nashville, we wanted to do something different. We wanted to be able to stand out. Not only was it a woman, we were two women on stage. So what would make other girls want to stand in there and hang out with us or guys to stick around and watch a couple chicks on stage and sing? We knew we had to really connect with people. Um, so I met Alicia within the first three months, like I said, and we just took that and really worked on practicing together, getting our harmonies tight, finding what songs we felt worked well or which didn't building that set list and within the first year we had a booking agent and started traveling across the country so you know it's just taking something that we felt was right and we we knew would stand out to people and and it did 
So even now as a solo artist, you know, I'm, I find that I do mostly 90s country or new country, but I'm doing things that if I love this song, I'm going to put more passion into it because I love it. And that relays to other people. So if you're having a good time and you're enjoying what you're doing on stage, then other people are going to reciprocate that. Um, so, you know, that was a lot of the stuff that I learned in that first year and it's carried on to where, to where I am now. And what was that process like in terms of, um, catching on at some of the bars? Because is it, is it AJ's where you perform a lot? It is now. Mm-hmm. What, so what, what, I mean, what is that like in terms of, cause I mean, for people who don't know, who, who, who haven't come to Nashville, I mean, a lot of times, most of the places you come, there's just like the tip jar, the tip bucket. Right. Um, right. So to be so to be like a duo, um, what's that like to kind of like catch on somewhere? Like, do you got to work with like the bar owner, or does the bar owner just say like, "Hey, we really like you guys. We saw you play. You know, come do like basically like a residency at our at our place." Like, what's what's that like down on Broadway? That's pretty much how you said is pretty much how it is. Um, a lot of the places they're okay to give you a chance. So you, you know, if you go in with a demo tape or um, some type of press kit for them to listen to or look at a music video or something, they'll give you a shot. And then it's up to you. I mean, that's kind of any venue, I guess, whether it's Broadway or not, it's up to you at that point to hang on and hope that you hold the crowd and that you do a good job and, you know, just deliver your performance as always. So that's how it is in most of the bars that they'll give you a shot. Um, a lot of it's word of mouth. If you've been packing out a bar on a Thursday night or something and another bar owner hears about it or someone else books, you know, it may be that he books four of the same, like four bars downtown that are owned. So there are a lot of, and like, I guess, like you said, for people that don't know Nashville, there are bars that are owned by the same, I guess, under the same umbrella, more or less. So if you play at one then they're going to try to book you at some of the others too. So that helps if you can get in and like they can put you in a couple other venues. Um, So, you know, if maybe if they're walking by and they happen to hear you through the window and they're like, wow, that sounds really great. I'd like to get them in at my bar. There's a a couple different avenues or it may be a bartender friend that, you know, they're like, well, I I know the booking person at this venue. So I'll try to get you in there. Um, The cool thing is, everybody helps each other. We're a big family. The music family is tight knit. Um, Bartenders, musicians, downtown, everybody kind of helps each other out and works together. So I've yet to see any like real cattiness or anybody that's like, oh, well, you can't do this because I do that. So that's been really cool. You know, that everybody's kind of, we're all here doing the same thing. There's no reason to be at each other's throat. Why not help each other? We all want to be successful. So why can't we just all help each other? And that's been something that I've seen. That's how everybody is here. So that's really positive. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. That was one of the things I jotted down that I wanted to ask you was was what it's like, you know, being that it's Music City and this is where people are coming to, like, shoot their shot. Like, is it competitive? Is it, like, friendly competition? Is it, like, the friend of me thing where somebody's like, hey, what's up? And then behind your back, they're like, oh, Lindsay, blah, you know. <laughs> so that's cool. That's cool to hear. Like, when do you, when do you feel like you guys started to, started to catch on because it's smoking guns right Mm -hmm. um that first year that we started playing we picked up any show that we could it could be a wednesday at 10 o'clock until 2 30 in the morning and then i'd have to get up and go to work the next morning and then we do it again the next night we killed ourselves that first year but like anything you get back what you put in 
And I feel like even though I probably drove my mother crazy, she probably worried herself sick because I was not sleeping. I was out all the time. I had to do that to really make something happen. And, you know, a long time ago, they used to say this was a five-year town. Now they say it's a 10-year town. And I see that because I'm on year eight, you know, and I'm just now, yeah, I've traveled and I've had a good career, but to have my own music released and feel like I'm finally making some of the right connections, um, getting where I want to be, it takes that long. Um, so, you know, I, yeah, I could walk away if I wanted to now and say, yeah, I had a really great run, had a good career, but, um, you know, I, I feel like there's always more to, to learn and more to do, um, and more to experience here. So I totally got off on a tangent on that. So <laughs> no, you're all good. It's all good. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know where where I was going with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I was asking about like just how you know at what point did you feel like it started to catch on, and and then you said you mentioned tour. So would you guys tour um, regionally, like, or, or would you go do like a few shows in a weekend? Like, what was that like when you guys started to branch out outside of Nashville? Tour is a loose term here because I mean you can be on a tour with a big country artist. That's a tour. Um, we say we're touring because for us that is, you know, playing two shows out of Nashville on the weekend and then two different cities the next weekend. To me, that's a tour. Yeah. You know, it's your, you are touring. It's not a full like three months in these big fancy buses playing arena tour, but you are getting to literally tour the country and play for places that you may not have even stepped foot in that city before. Um, and I, I love that. So getting to I feel like I'm like going every time I get into something I go off on a tangent um doing the touring outside of Nashville was something that really helped us build our fan base because what's cool about Nashville is that people come here from all over so then they take their pictures and their videos back and then if I happen to get a show booked in Chicago, I've got someone who may have seen me play on Broadway and they want to come to my show in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, Nashville is so unique in that people do come from all over. Um, so it's, I remember playing in Shreveport, Louisiana for the very first time many years ago. And we had like three or four groups of people there who had already seen us play. I had never been to Shreveport ever in my life, but all these people already knew who we were. And, you know, that's, that I think is when I feel when I felt like, okay, this is working. Like things are, you know, within that first year we played mostly Broadway, but after a year when we were starting to branch out and people knew who we were, that's when I felt like, okay, this is, this is working. We're doing the right thing. We're doing it the right way, I guess, because now when I go to Shreveport or Toledo or somewhere, people knew who we were. And again, not like on a huge scale where we have a big arena, but it's still as a, as a small artist, that makes you feel really cool to know that people cared enough when they saw you in Nashville to come follow you and see you in another show in another state. Yeah. Yeah. So did you play Toledo? Had we you? did. Yeah. That, that was one of the first shows that we played. Um, it's my hometown. Yeah. That's why I mentioned it. I feel like it was probably 2012 or 13. Um, there was a little place there called Sneaky Pete. Yeah. I don't even know if it's still around. It was a very small place. Um, but great. We had a blast up there. We went to the zoo while we were there. They have an awesome um, zoo. They really do. So, yeah, I still have 
souvenir cup, I think, from, from that too. So yeah, we got to play a lot of cool places that I never, probably would have never been to. And even now, um, I went back to Toronto, Canada this past fall. We played there as Smoking Guns a couple years ago, and um, I went back as a solo artist in the fall. Never in my wildest dreams thought I'd be playing in Canada once, now twice. So that's been it's been a lot of fun. And I feel like, um, you know, playing playing Broadway, too, I feel like that's a good place to cut your teeth because you kind of see a little bit of everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people can get pretty rowdy. So I feel like if you can manage a crowd like that, like, in comparison, it's it's probably nice to then go on the road because you're like, okay, you know, when we're up here, we've, we've kind of dealt with the craziest of the crazy people who are having a good time, but maybe they're obliterated, you know, or like... <laughs> Is that kind of how it is on Broadway? I mean, I feel like, obviously, it depends on the bar, right? I mean, I'm talking, like, yeah. Broadway, like, I've never been there. Like, I go down there. I don't go down there that much. You know, I'm, like, an extroverted introvert, so I've, I have venture out. But, like, there's <laughs> obviously spots that are crazier than others. But, I mean, do you feel like playing those kind of shows helped prepare you when you guys went on the road and it maybe wasn't as, like, rowdy? Oh, absolutely. And I think, like you said, every venue on Broadway is different. So there's some venues that are more of a party crowd and, and you've got to tailor to that. You've got to engage the crowd so much and make sure they're never going to stop dancing, that they're always having a good time. Um, but then there's places that are not like that where people, and it, it depends on the time of day too. And Broadway starts their music at 10 or 11 in the morning. So if you're playing a 10 a.m. shift, chances are people aren't super drunk at this point. Right, and there's right. people that just want to come listen to music. So then, again, you have to tailor to your crowd at that point. And some of the venues are more of listening rooms. They're more for um, people that just really enjoy the music and they want to hear what the band has to offer. I love both styles. I mean, I love to see a group of bachelorettes come in and scream and holler and sing at the top of their lungs to Shania Twain. But I also love to sing Broken Wing by Martina. That's a slow power ballad. It's one of my favorites to sing and people will just sit and listen and enjoy it. So there's, you know, both are good and both types of venues, both types of atmospheres are great. When you're on the road, you don't get to do as many of the slow songs and it's more, you know, nightclub type feels. Yeah. Um, so yeah, being in, well, I almost dropped my computer. Oh, yeah. being, in, <laughs> being in an atmosphere like that really prepares you for something on the road to a bigger venue, more people, um, that just want to dance and have a good time. What were some of your favorite cities that you've, you've toured in over the years? You mentioned Canada, going up to Toronto. I've heard Toronto's pretty cool. I've heard that's like the New York of Canada. Like, it's just, it's massive, and it's got a lot of really it good is. culture there. I love it so much. Um, that's definitely one of my favorite places. Chicago has always been one of my favorite spots. Uh, I, I've built a lot of friendships now through music and a lot of them that live in Chicago, and it's really nice to see them when I go up there or when they come visit Nashville, you know, that I've built these, again, people I would probably would have never known, never met, but through music, I've gotten to know them. Um, but we, we've gotten to be in Chicago for some really great times. We've played St. Patrick's Day when they dye the river green. Um, we've been there for Halloween. We've been there when it snows. So just seeing that city in a lot of different environments is really cool. And Iowa is my, probably one of my top, top places to visit, which everyone is like, why when you say that they don't understand if you've never been to Iowa it's one of the most beautiful states 
I just love it. Um, I hadn't really seen a lot of cornfields <laughs> when I moved to Nashville because I grew up on the East Coast. We, I grew up on the water, so we didn't have that there. But getting to travel in Iowa and see just that different type of lifestyle, a different way of life, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful piece of country there. It's peaceful. I, I love it. I just love it so much. I go there anytime I get a chance. The Midwest is cool, man. Like I feel like I can always pick out like – I mean, just the accent, because we put Y's before our A's, so it's like back, had, you know, especially when you're in, like, Chicago, Toledo. Like, I can I can spot them, the nasally ones from, like, a mile away. But um, And that's what's kind of cool about Nashville is you get, like, that melting pot. But, yeah, I feel like the Midwest, it's like, you know, Nashville, everybody wants to play Nashville, right, because it's a music city. But, like, uh, you know, a city like Toledo, it's, it's not a small city. It's like a mid-sized city, but... I guess in, in, I guess like a music industry term, it's kind of like a B market, right? You know, it's not a Chicago or a New York. So I feel like when you go to a place like Toledo or Iowa, like they're, they're really happy to have somebody there playing. It's not that they never get the entertainment, but they don't get a lot of like these big arena shows, you know? Um, I feel like people play Toledo kind of on the come up, you know what I mean? Or if they have like Mm -hmm. a really good fan base there they'll continue to come back but it's not like a major market so i would imagine that the midwest i don't know maybe i'm just tooting the horn of my my people <laughs> from from being from the midwest but i would imagine the the, the, the shows there are pretty good because people are usually pretty happy to have somebody come through you know i think you're spot on with that i and i think maybe that's why i love iowa so much and chicago you know we played not in not always in the city but on the outskirts yeah. Um, so, you know, an hour or two outside. So it's the same kind of thing. And they're so appreciative. And I, you know, we get treated like royalty every time. And, you know, I don't feel like I deserve that. But to be able to go to a city where they're just so happy that you're there and they want to, you know, show you around and, and do things in their town with you and show you where this festival is or, you know, make sure you try this restaurant and this is my uncle's place or you know it's just very good good home people and I mean not that there's not people like that everywhere but I find that so much when I visit a place like Iowa you know that they're just super welcoming so quick aside from some of my my research getting ready for this because I didn't want to just spew off at the mouth I wanted to be respectful and actually look up some history but I do know that you're a big pizza gal so you mentioned Chicago. Chicago's a great food city because they had a bunch of people. I mean, I think, like, I don't know if it was, like, the 20s or the 30s, but I know they have, like, a lot of Creole people there. So you can actually get really good Cajun food there, too, because there's a lot of Louisiana mm-hmm. people that that have migrated there. But what is your take on the, the deep dish pizza? Are you, a, are you a deep dish person? Do you prefer, like, more like the New York, like the big slice? Like, where are you at on the pizza stuff? Because I know that's, like, your thing. <laughs> You know, I don't discriminate on pizza <laughs> of all kinds. Um, truly, I I don't have a favorite. It's hard to say because I will eat deep dish, and I love New York style. Um, and I love Papa John's, you know. So even a chain like that is one of my favorites. I have DiGiorno pizzas in my freezer. You know, those, <laughs> it really doesn't matter to me. I just love all kinds of pizza. Um, I did find there was a place in Vegas that had um, – a huge, like, two foot, two or three foot long pizza slice. I don't know, it was bizarre. I found it on Instagram or something, and I was like, <laughs> okay, I have to go. So normally when I, like, see things on 
Facebook or Instagram when I'm in a different city like that. I'll seek it out. But when I'm in Chicago, I absolutely have to get pizza. And I've tried all the spots, Giordano's, Luminaldi's, Gino's East. Um, there's a handful of others, like smaller ones that I've, I've been to all of them. And I don't even have a favorite. I just like <laughs> them all. So I, I do have, when I was up there a couple years ago, I have a pizza onesie, um, which I took a picture <laughs> a lot. I had a, a semi-viral video that uh, there was a boy, I say boy, he was a, my age, a guy who had taken a picture in a pizza outfit um, with his heart-shaped pizza on Valentine's Day, like, you know, when you're single on Valentine's Day. So I recreated the photo, and now it's like a viral meme thing. But I was wearing that onesie in Chicago, and I got a piece of pizza at, I don't know, 7-Eleven or something, and I was walking down the street, and uh, my drummer was like, I have to get a picture of this. You're literally in a pizza onesie eating a slice of pizza. So I stopped in a, like an alley and I have this super epic picture. I mean, you couldn't be any in a better place, like an alley in Chicago eating pizza in a pizza onesie. It was pretty awesome. Should be your album cover. It's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe I should. <laughs> yeah. I had to ask you about pizza. Cause I was like, I saw that picture and I was like, that's dedication right there. Cause I love ice cream, but I don't have an ice cream onesie, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah, I've got the pizza Chuck Taylors, I have earrings, I have it all. So what have been um what have been some of the highs along this path? You mentioned, you know, being in Nashville and being at it for eight years. What are what are some of like the like the high water mark marks points for you? I've gotten too open for some national acts throughout the years and I feel like that's a pretty big point for any artist to get to play shows with you know, people that you've looked up to and you've grown up with. Um, we've, as Smoking Guns, we opened for the Oak Ridge Boys, Mark Wills, um, the Swan Brothers, Daniel Bradbury, and a really cool show that we did that was super off the wall was 112. If you remember from the R&B days, they had quite a few big hits. Yeah. Uh, Peaches and Cream and uh, quite <laughs> yeah. a few big ones. And it was this super, like, just random. It was in my hometown. It was in Danville. And that was like my childhood moment where I was like, okay, I grew up listening to these songs and now I get to share a stage with 112. So that was a really cool experience for me. Were um, they cool? Oh yeah. Yeah. They were really cool to us. I mean, we didn't get to interact with them a lot except like sound check and stuff, but overall it was a, a really cool show, a really good experience. Everybody that uh, Mark Wills is one of my favorite people. Uh, we've done some shows with him and, uh, the Oak Ridge Boys, they've been super supportive of me and my career. So it's cool to build those friendships, too, along with, you know, just not just a music line. You know, they, they've become friends, which is really awesome. Um, yeah, so those are always really big highlights, you know, getting to, to do that, share those stages. We've played, um, we got to sing the national anthem for a St. Louis Blues hockey game, which was, about 17,000 people in an arena. That was a highlight. Um, and then we also sang at Nissan Stadium. We sang God Bless America. No. Yes, God Bless America. <laughs> it's been a long time. My brain quit working. Um, we sang for the Music City Bowl a couple years ago. Trace Atkins did the national anthem, and we sang just prior to him. So to sing at Nissan Stadium was a huge bucket list moment for me. And that, you know, 
I may never get that opportunity again. So that was really cool. Um, all those moments, you know, those are kind of like bucket list moments. My next bucket list is something at Bridgestone, uh, whatever <laughs> that may be. And um, the Opry, of course, is is a bucket list. So we'll see. Those are those are the next high points that I'm aiming for. Well, now it's now it's on the record and it's out in the universe, so it'll happen. You just we just gotta will it. We gotta will it. The law of attraction. Um, well, I won't keep you too much longer. I, if you went for a run, I don't. I, I don't want you to pass out. If you gotta get some dinner. <laughs> but um, thank you again for taking some time. But before we we wrap it up, I did kind of want to touch on like the faith part of all this because you know you mentioned like. First of all, I admire what you're doing, and I'm not just saying that because you're kind enough to do this podcast and because we know each other through church group, because whether it's music or sports or whatever you're passionate about, like, what you're doing is unconventional, right? And I think it's so cool that you have parents who are supportive, and mine have always been too, with, like, the writing and the broadcasting and stuff, but there there are always those those doubters that, that creep in. Sometimes you have those thoughts where you're like, ah, so for you... You know, we mentioned our church group. We met through that. Um, faith is obviously a big part of your life. How how much has that meant to you in maybe some of the low moments to keep going? Because I'm sure along the way there's there's rough patches like we all have. There's setbacks. There's mistakes. There's things we we do. There's things that happen to us. And I'm sure along the way you've probably seen a lot of people come and go in music in Nashville. Um, what? How has your faith, Lindsay, kind of played a role in this journey and kind of getting to where you are right now? I've always been really involved in church. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, recording gospel album with my mom and just being around um, church my whole life. That's something that I grew up with. And coming to Nashville, that was something that I needed to find right away because I knew if I was going to survive in this town, I needed God on my side. And I found Crosspoint when I first moved here. And it was very different from what it is now. So I've been this whole time, eight years, going to Crosspoint. And I've seen it go through a lot of different things, a lot of different buildings and stages. And when I got into music and we were traveling every weekend, I didn't have time to go to church. And that sounds awful, but, you know, we're coming back on Sundays. Mm -hmm. So I'm missing my Sunday service. And I, I fell out of it. I just, you know, it wasn't the priority at the time because I was coming home and then having to go to work Monday or whatever. Um, and for me, I, I noticed, I could tell that things weren't going the way that they should be going. I didn't feel comfortable where I was in life. It just kind of, it was a dark spot for me, a hard place for me. And I found a church that started on Tuesday nights and I knew that, okay, I can go Tuesdays cause I'm home and that got me through a really hard time where I felt like I didn't have anything. And being a musician, and I mean, a lot of careers are, are hard, so I'm not taking away from that at all. But when I'm on stage and I'm performing for a hundred or a couple thousand people, and then I come home to my hotel room or my house by myself, that's an extreme high to a very extreme low. Yeah. And I didn't know how to handle that that was new for me. Those feelings were new. And after a while, it really got to me. So finding, finding church again and, and knowing, okay, I can't do this without church and, and getting involved. And I started going to 
um, a different branch of Crosspoint so that I could get more involved and meet people. And doing that and serving in my church and finding our small group and doing daily devotionals and reading more just scripture and other people's books about scripture, I just had to engulf myself back in it and know um, that that was the most important thing for me. And that if I was going to get through this crazy life in general, but especially trying to make something, you know, in the music industry, I needed that. And I still need that. And, you know, I pray about my career all the time. I, I pray with other people about my career and I pray for Nashville and I pray for people around here because, you know, finding the right group of people and supportive people, um, it all, it all works together and you just, you know, to build your circle and build your faith back to where, I don't just where it should be, what makes you happy. Um, so I've had a lot of ups and downs throughout my years here, but that, that's one thing that I know is, is there, is always there. And I'm going to have that behind me no matter what. Um, and I've gotten a lot better and, you know, it's a priority now is to make sure that I'm, so not getting to go to church, I'm watching it on, well, at least right now, that's all we can do is watch it, you yeah. know, watch a sermon or listen to something. Um, I'm, you know, reading my devotionals and just knowing that that's what's getting me through. It's, it's everything to me. So I've always said that God has a plan for me and my plan has been right so far. So I know that what happens next is what's meant to be. And all I can do is have faith and pray about it and God will lead me on the right path. And how is that right now? I got to imagine too, you know, through all this, like, you know, being somebody who's just like into music, um, you know, thinking about people like you and, and, and artists, you know, all around the world right now, like everybody is, is going through the exact same thing. Like I, 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 I think this is the first time in my life where it's like, everybody is literally in pretty much the same boat. Like it doesn't matter how much money mm-hmm. you have. It doesn't matter how many Grammys you got. It doesn't matter if, how many champions you got if you're an athlete, like championships. Like, I mean, everybody is, you know, social distancing, staying at home. You know, you mentioned being able to work from home. I've been in that boat. Like, I feel like we're fortunate because, you know, there's people who are out of work. But but on the flip side of that, as a musician, obviously, not being able to play shows right now. I mean, how have you and other musician friends and, you know, colleagues that you know, how have you guys all been getting through this? I know you've done some of the Facebook Live stuff. One of them was with, like, Vandy's Children's Hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. How's how's it been navigating this? I know that's kind of a loaded question because it feels like we're in, like, an alternate universe right now. But um, <laughs> but what, what has it been like, and, and how have you tried to kind of find the silver lining maybe with your faith? I You mentioned everybody's kind of in the same boat right now, so we're all – This sounds super cliche because you keep seeing it on everything. We're all in this together, but we really are because everybody is dealing with the same situation at this point. Whatever your career is, whatever your industry is, the new norm right now is Facebook Live or Skype or Zoom or whatever it may be, and you're having to just be creative. And fortunately for artists and musicians, you know, that's our wheelhouse where we have a creative brain, and so we've been able to take this time and still share our music on Facebook lives or use this time to write more or record at our homes or put more stuff 
on the internet for social media or YouTube, there's so many other avenues and people are figuring out how to make the most of that. And even people like Garth Brooks, you know, he's done all these Facebook lives for free for his fans, you know, to be entertained. And I think that's beautiful because we are literally all stuck in our homes. You know, we're all doing the same thing, whether you're someone like me or you're Garth Brooks, you know? So um, knowing that we're all in it together has kind of been nice to help, at least for me, like kind of get us through and know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Things aren't always going to be the same. Broadway's probably not going to be the same as it used to be, but we're going to figure it out together and we're all going to be okay. At the end of the day, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll there there will be a new normal, but it, but we'll get through it. You know, I mean, even even just as of my day job working in healthcare and seeing some of the stuff a little bit in terms of the data, like I'm I'm hoping and praying that we continue to like flatten this curve so we can get get life back to a more normal state. But you're right, we'll get through it. On a positive note, in 2020. You did have your single come out. You don't get to know. I've listened to it a few times, and I feel like there needs to be, like, fire emojis with it because, like, <laughs> I feel like knowing a little bit about you and, and you know, conversations at church group and, you know, having seen you perform, like, you do have that soulfulness in your voice, and I feel like this this song encompasses a lot of what I, I know about you, like, as an artist and as, like, a person, so... Again, I'm not saying that to like blow smoke. Like I, it's it's a great song. Um, you should be really proud of it. But what's kind of like the? Give me the scoop on the song. Like who did you work with? Um, did you co-write with anybody? Where you recorded it? And just um, getting this one out there because I remember, gosh, it was probably going back to maybe late summer, early fall. Um, at Dan's, the guy who hosts our, our, our hosts our church group, our small group. And I remember you talking about getting the ball rolling with all this stuff. So what what was that process like and then finally releasing it and, and what's it been like? Well, first I want to say thank you because to me that that's exactly what I want as an artist. For you to hear a song and be like, yes, that's Lindsay Bowman. That, that is her as a person and as a, a writer and an artist. So that makes me feel good that, you know, I got those points across in my first single. Um, that song I wrote with a girl named Liz Ann Hill. I met through my producer. He set up our co-write and we had written another song together previously. Um, but I had been going through a rough time with the boyfriend at the time. And when I went back for the second write with her, we had broken up. And so it was like a therapy session. I, you know, I write with guys and girls, but it's something about writing with another female, you know, you get that like woman empowerment and you get to just really vent about what's going on in your life. And so for the first hour that she and I were together, we were just kind of chatting about what had happened with the relationship and kind of where I was now, how I was feeling. And, um, the guy that, that I had been dating after we broke up was still checking in, you know, on social media and like, Oh, where are you this weekend? Or where are you traveling to? And, and I finally was like, you don't get to know you don't get to know these things anymore. We're not together. And then I was like, Oh, I need to write that down. So I took that to live and she was like, um, yeah. Okay. So she starts typing away and within like seconds, she's like, okay, what do you think about this? And it just went from there. We probably wrote that song in like an hour and a half. I mean, we did it so fast because it was so real. I mean, it was what I was going through. And as another female, she, she got it. She just could relate. 
And that was my biggest point in the song is that I wanted something that people can sing at the top of their lungs and relate to, you know, that, and so, yeah, it's more of a girl anthem, but you know, hopefully everybody enjoys it, but it it definitely turned into one of those songs of like kind of relating to, I, I relate back to text messages and social media and how you're checking on my, my posts and these things but you don't get to know these anymore. And, you know, you, you did this, you're the one that broke up with me. So you don't get to know what I'm doing anymore. Um, so it turned out exactly how I wanted it. I worked with Kent Wells. He was my producer who, um, he also has worked with many big artists and Dolly being one. So I was in good hands. Um, and he, he knew exactly what I wanted when I went in and, you know, played him the, the rough demo. He, he got it. And when I got the first draft back, I, I was like, okay, yeah, you nailed it. This was where I wanted it to go. So um, my, my second single, same thing. It's a slow song. It's called Love Me Like You Used To. Um, but it is, I wrote that with uh, my buddy Pete Salas. And it's still me. It's just the, um, I guess a little bit in reverse, because that song came before the breakup. It was like, okay, I can tell things are changing, but I wish you loved me like you used to. Um, but it is, it's a, a good ballad. Um, so I'm excited to release that one too. Very emotional. So yeah, it's nice to have, have your own songs coming out, you know, and they're real stories. They're hopefully relatable for people and just cool to have your, your story in a song. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a beggar, man. I, and again, I'm not just saying that, like when that chorus kicked in, I was like, damn, Lindsay, I was like, <laughs> I listened to it. I was like, man. This song is like I feel like they need to be playing this and and and, and getting it out there. I mean, and and I don't. What is that like? Um, you know, trying to get it on, you know, the radio and, and whether it's Nashville or nationally. I think one of the cool things about the internet is that you can put it out there, right? And you can kind of mm-hmm. see the the immediate kind of reception and the streams or whatnot. But um, What's that like uh, working with these people? I mean, is is that something like getting getting something on the radio and being a female artist? Is that difficult to kind of, especially being independent? Like, are there channels you have to go through, or can you kind of just blast it out there and see what happens? Um, a lot of it's money, <laughs> yeah, and a lot of it's who you know. So, I actually met with a radio promoter not too long ago, and it was just out of my budget to try to have them pitch the song to secondary radio, um, you know, smaller markets. I just, I don't have a backer. I don't have an investor. I'm not on a label, you know, so I'm doing all this by myself. Um, you can get it out there, but it costs a lot. Yeah. So the goal is to get a record deal and have the, you know, the funding and the backing from a label. Um, but right now everybody's so heavy in streaming. So Spotify, Google play, Amazon music, all those different Pandora, um, those, you know, releasing a song on all those channels is really a great way to go mm-hmm. because that's what people are using. Um, I would love to have my song on Sirius XM, but I'm still figuring all that out, you know, trying yeah. to kind of find the right connections um, because I don't, again, I don't have a label. It's just me. So um, those are things that I guess why they say it's a 10 year town because it takes that long to start really getting your name out there and meeting the right people and, and getting your foot in the door. So hopefully those things will be coming. Um, I did get to play on the Ty Bentley show, which is a Nash FM cumulus station um, back in March before the shutdown. And they played a clip of you don't get to know on the radio. It broadcasts all over the country and in London. And I was like, 
just starstruck of my, you know, wow, this is really happening. And Chuck Wicks is on the show and he made a comment like, dang girl, you got some soul. So that <laughs> made me feel good. Um, and then I got to perform on the air. Um, they had a, a 10 minute tune segment. So getting to like do a little radio thing like that was a step, you know, it's definitely something that I wanted. Um, it's just got to keep doing things like that and trying to find more avenues uh, before someone will maybe pick it up and play it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to do what I can to pump it up because it, it's a great song. And like I said, I mean, just knowing a little bit about you from, from the years that, that we've known each other and, and going to church group and whatnot, I, I really think it's it was an awesome first song. And it's exciting to hear about the next one you got coming out, too, because it's like you got kind of the ebb and flow and show people your range. So I think that's cool. Um, are you still working with the guy up in Canada, the the Toronto Connection stuff? Because you were, you were working with somebody up there, right, for a little bit? Um not like working i had played some shows for him and okay. done a podcast he runs a podcast also so i um, flew up there for a couple events and then to film his podcast but you now we're still very much in touch all the time and you know maybe when all this is over i can get back up there and, and do some more stuff with them too but um canada is a different ballpark you know they're uh, they're really into their music up there toronto's a huge music scene um so if i can keep playing up there and maybe building my name up there too you know i'm i'm trying all avenues i'll go any anywhere and play anywhere that people will let me well we're we're gonna share it i mean it's definitely on youtube spotify and i'd, I'd love to share it on the show if it's cool and put the put the That's song cool. um uh thanks again so much for the time before before i let you go just kind of want to close out on some some more funs you know kind of fun quick hitters so I feel like it's fitting because we're in quarantine, so to speak, right now. So if you were on an island, which honestly at this point I'd rather be, nothing against Nashville, <laughs> but a beach would be cool. <laughs> I know Trina and I have already talked, like, when this is all over, when we go on vacation, it's it's going to be a beach somewhere. Um, if there was miraculously a radio and an outlet somewhere in the jungle that worked, what would be, like, the albums you would definitely want to have if you were stranded for, like, a year? Ooh. That's a tough one. Um, you know, I love Whitney, Whitney Houston, and Michael Jackson. Those are two go-tos, and David Bowie. I got, a, I got a weird taste. I'm all over the place, but those are like some of my all-time favorite artists to listen to that I don't ever get tired of. But current, I love Morgan Wallen. Um, Morgan and Mitchell Tenpenny are two of my current favorite artists. So, if I get five, then that's them. <laughs> if I get five artists. I like the old stuff, and then I like some new country, too. Favorite toppings on your pizza? Ooh, pepperoni and black olives. But I also love ham and pineapple, because I'm a pineapple on pizza person, and I know that's a, a touchy subject. <laughs> but I go either, uh, yeah, pepperoni and black olive or ham and pineapple. Dream collaboration. Gosh, or collaborations. Let's put I, them out there. We'll put them out in the universe. We're, we're doing it. Law of Attraction, Lindsay. We're doing it. <laughs> um, I always said that I wanted to work with Timberland just because he's from, you know, my hometown. And he worked with so many amazing artists. Granted, I'm not in that type of music right now. Um, he's he's a dream collab. But, gosh, um Martina, I would love to do something with Martina or Carrie Underwood. Probably either one of them. 
he did work with uh, Chris Cornell. Rest in peace. You know, I think I'm pretty sure Chris did. He might have done a whole album with Chris Cornell. So I feel like I feel like he could do he could do country for sure. Yeah. Plus, you got the soulful. You got the soulfulness. Yeah. <laughs> We're putting it out there. What about um, you mentioned? Um, you know, the Ryman Opry. Like, what would be like a a dream a dream concert? Like, would you? We're gonna put it out there. You're gonna get there. So, Bridgestone. What would be cooler for like the first big one? Bridgestone or like the Ryman or the Opry, or if or if it was like Nissan Stadium. You tell me. If it were like a dream Nashville venue. I think definitely the Opry. I mean, well, and I say that either as the Ryman or the Grand Ole Opry House because you know they do shows at both. Because as a country artist, that's just such a pinnacle moment if you get to perform at either one of those historic venues you know um just knowing you could stand in the circle where so many others have stood and performed yeah playing at the the opry either at the opry house or the ryman just getting to play the grand Ole opry would be the highlight the pinnacle dream come true (laughs) best show you've seen live in your time on this planet so far man I've been to a lot of concerts and I think right now, cause I'm so um, stuck on like Mitchell Tenpenny, I got to see him last year at Ascend with Old Dominion and it was just a really cool, it was an outdoor, like super fun concert. Um, but a couple years ago, Kenny Chesney and I share a birthday and he played, he kicked off his tour here in Nashville on his birthday at Bridgestone and it was like a three plus hour concert he brought everybody out taylor swift showed i mean everybody and i would say that chesney concert is one of the best that i've seen (laughs) best advice you've been given and best advice that you would give in music gosh that's a tough one um i think the best advice i've been given is don't put a timeline on your career because if you do, you could miss a phone call tomorrow. You could miss what's coming tomorrow. And that's been hard to, you know, say, well, okay, I've already been here eight years. When do I, when do I quit? When do I give it up? Do I just say one more year? But I have never put a timeline on it. I'm just going with the flow and continuing to pray about it and hope that things are going to happen the way they're supposed to. Um, and so, honestly, I feel like that kind of goes with the advice that I would give anyone that's looking to try to make a career in music or make the move to Nashville, just do it because it's, it's a lot of just getting in, you know, getting your hands in, in and it's just taking the plunge to throw yourself out there. And that's what all of us here had to do. You know, you hear the story over and over that nobody knew anybody else when they came here and they just started meeting people and sitting in with different bands. And I think if that's what you're looking to do, take a leap of faith because people will help you out and you'll find your way and you'll find the right group of friends and musicians that'll continue to push you because you are all in this together and you're all looking at the same goal. So I think just, just taking that leap of faith and giving it as long as you want, as long as you can, don't put a a timeline on it. Just, just go for it. Well, I think that's a great place to end it. Thank you again so much for your time, Lindsay. I really appreciate it. Uh, I told you I'd keep you an hour, and I feel like I've gone a little bit over. 
and uh, I'm I'm just uh, I'm excited to to get to catch up with you. Um, I know it's been a minute since I've seen you and the people in the church group. Um, so hopefully, we, I feel like we got to do that. We got to get like a. I wasn't on the iPhone group chats because I have an Android. I'm one of those those folks out there. <laughs> but I feel like we got to get we got to get everybody on like a a house party or one of those Zoom apps, one of those. Um, but and I'll put the links up. But uh, let people know where they can find you and how they can follow you and what you're doing right now. Yeah, I have a website. It's lindsaybowman.com. Of course, everything is on there. But I am on Facebook, Lindsay Bowman Music. Um, I have Instagram and Twitter, and it's I am Lindsay Lee, L E I G H. But again, all those links are you know on my website. Um, and then my song, my current single is called "You Don't Get to Know." And it is on iTunes and Spotify and all the streaming platforms. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Lindsay. I appreciate it. I hope you guys are staying safe and um, staying sane. Um, It was great to catch up with you. I'm excited to get this one out there, and uh, I'm putting it out there. You're gonna you're gonna do the Opry. We're not even gonna put a (laughs) timeline on it, but it's gonna happen. We're putting it out in the universe. I like it. That's how you make things happen. That was my conversation with Lindsay Bowman. Make sure you go check out lindsaybowman.com for everything that she's got going on. That is her central hub is her website. You can also listen to her music on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, pretty much wherever you can listen to or download music, you can find her stuff. But lindsaybowman.com is the central hub. I will make sure I put up that link on the episode page for this show. Thank you, Lindsay, so much for doing the show. It was great to catch up with you. And thank you to all of you for listening to the show, man. I really appreciate it. Again, you can check out the podcast at march4th.podbean.com. That is the central hub for all the episodes, including older episodes when it used to be Bombers Breakdown back in the day. You can also listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to it on the Podbean app. You can listen to it on Podcast Addict, other apps out there. And I'm just, I'm just excited, man. It was great to catch up with Lindsay. It was great to get this episode out there. It was really cool to hear more about her story, even though I've known her for a couple of years. It was just cool to hear the backstory of how she got started and just how long she's been at this and, and, and just knowing somebody's path to where they've gotten to where they are now. It's it's really cool to share that journey and kind of be like the middleman between somebody's story and getting out to all of you, man. I mean, even when I used to write back in the day, that was always the coolest part for me as somebody who went to school for journalism and was doing this stuff uh, for for the number of years that I was when I used to write for Toledo Free Press, it it was just cool to be sort of that middleman between somebody's story and sharing it with the people and being able to do it hopefully in, in most importantly, a truthful way, but also secondarily an entertaining way. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. It was great to catch up with Lindsay. Again, having known her for a couple of years, I remember going back several months, just how excited she was at small group talking about, you know, recording new music and going to Canada and and all the stuff that she's had going on. So even though it's unfortunate right now with the coronavirus that a lot of us are indoors, we've been at home for several months now, we can't go see live music, people like Lindsay can't perform live. That doesn't mean there's not positive things going on. And she definitely has positive things going on. And one of those things is the single you're about to hear. So I want to say to everybody again, stay safe, keep the faith, and be kind to one another. Here is You Don't Get to Know 
by Lindsay Bowman. Peace. picture I took with my hair done right looking so damn good you're wondering where I'm going now tonight honey when you were mine you never checked your phone now you're blowing me up to see where I've gone and if I'm throwing back whiskey or sipping wine it's a little too late I ain't giving you the Friends, but I can't answer while I'm tearing up the dance floor.